The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Sean Michaels tends to say whatever comes to mind, so we just put a mic in front of him. All you do is talk, 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 talk. This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness, the podcast that gets into, well, just about everything. Feeling stupid? I know I am. From 680 The Fan and thepodcastpark.com. It's showtime, and I don't mean a bad impression of HBO. I mean time for a show. Hey, guys, it's John Michaels. Welcome in to another Stream of Conscious podcast. Got to say thank you to the sponsor of said podcast, our buddies at Georgia Realty Associates. You can find them online at soldbold.com. And you're probably asking me, what the heck does sold bold mean? Well, my buddy Scott Daniel at the Georgia Realty Associates has come up with a way. He realized your home is more than just a piece of brick and a piece of mortar. He realizes it's part of your life and it should be valued as such. The sold bold way is they're going to give you the best maximum value for your home. So you got to go online right now. Soldbold.com is the way that you want to go. They will find different ways to give you the precise, correct, marketable price for your home. He calls it the Sold Bold way. He also has got guaranteed fast cash offers. So if you need your money upfront and quickly, he has that. But what's better than some of the other fast cash offers that are out there, a lot of those are 17 to 40% below market value. His is not going to be that way. He also has the if you can't wait to buy another one until you sell the first one, they'll actually buy your home and help you purchase the other one and then sell it so you make a maximum profit. Georgia Realty Associates, they're going to be bold for you. They put you in the driver's seat while buying and selling your home. You need to check them out right now at soldbold.com. Again, thank you to Scott Daniel and the Georgia Realty Associates for bringing you the Stream of Conscious podcast. What do we got coming up on today's program? Pretty simple. The Braves, they finally get off the schneid, and it looks like they have turned the corner. I've also got to take a little bit of homage with what's going on in the world of boxing right now. One of the proud sports that we absolutely love. I am disgusted with what's going on. We'll talk some about name, image, and likeness as well and how this could affect what's going on in college football. And we'll dive into some numbers for Kyle Pitts that are going to make you go, "Uh uh-oh, maybe we're not going to get as much bang for our buck as we like to. That's all coming up next on the Stream of Conscious podcast. This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. 
Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. All right, guys, so there's moments in Major League Baseball where it seems like the, the, the season really turns. And the Braves, for literally the first month of the season, have been one of the most inconsistent ball clubs in all of baseball. It's been win a couple of games, lose a couple of games. Win four in a row, lose four in a row. What they have been, and I use a quote, I think it was from uh, Dan Quinn, they've been consistently inconsistent. Just consistent enough to keep you around, just consistent enough to stay in a very topsy-turvy NL East division race, but not nearly good enough to be the team that we thought they were going to be coming out of spring training. Well, I think what happened over the weekend was the turning point for the Atlanta Braves in the 2021 season. Go back to Friday night, full Truist Park, awesome. Awesome to see 35, 36,000 plus fans at Truist Park screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs for our Atlanta Braves. What you also saw was a team that got beat down 6 nothing in the first inning, and it was a never competitive game. Charlie Morton struggled, gives up a three-run home run, and you start to think, oh, boy, here we go again. Braves struggling, losing to the Phillies. At that point in time, they were two and a half games back of the Phillies, three and a half back of the Mets, weren't playing that great of baseball. Lo and behold, Saturday, something happens. You're down 3-1 to one in Kung Fu Panda. Pablo Sandoval again comes up with a huge two-run, bottom of the ninth, two-out home run to tie the game. Braves fall behind 4-3 to three in extra innings. They had not won a game in extra innings. As a matter of fact, I don't believe they had scored in extra innings at all. So down 4-3, you go, oh boy, here we go again. Lo and behold, the Braves do drive in a run, tie it at four. Phillies don't score in the top of the 11th, and Braves have a chance to win it and don't get the job done. And then you see exactly what happens afterward, the Philadelphia Phillies. They go out and they, they put up a three spot, and you go, well, here we go again. Lost two in a row, and I'll be honest, I'm sitting there watching the game at home, and I said, this is not going well. Braves come back. They put up four runs there in the bottom of the 12th inning. They win the game 8-7, to seven, and lo and behold, that carries over into Sunday night's game. They put up a four spot, and they win 6-1 to one to take two or three out of the Phillies. I really feel like this weekend, and Brian Snitker talked about this, this was kind of the coming of age of this year's baseball team. It always seemed like all year long everybody was waiting for somebody else to make the big play. Seemed like all the time you had guys trying to hit an eight-run home run instead of just doing the little things that help you string together hits and walks and at-bats that really get things rolling from there. That was what was supposed to happen for this Atlanta Braves ball club. You've had pitching not be very good. Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley. You've had pitching in the bullpen being inconsistent, whether it's Tyler Matzik, A.J. Minter, Nate Jones, who's no longer on the ball club, uh, whether it was Luke Jackson or Will Smith. It's been inconsistent. Then over the weekend, you finally strung some things together. First and foremost, Waskar Yanoa, he's an all-star right now. 4-1 and one on the year, sub-3 ERA, looks like a future star for this ball club, and you love to see it. Then you go out and you sign Shane Green. I asked the question, what the hell took so long to get Shane Green in the fold for the Atlanta Braves? I'm assuming it was price tag back in April, but he signs a one-year $1.5 million deal. Now all of a sudden he's going to be here, and now you're going to get Chris Martin coming back off the injured list. So suddenly the right side of the bullpen, which has been an absolute disaster for most of the 2021 season, seems like you're going to have something uh, solidified on the back end. You could have now guys in the 6th and the 7th and the 8th inning that could eat up a bunch of different innings. You'll love to see that for the team. But it was something about the celebration Saturday night that felt like the 2020 Braves. It felt like a loose ball club. It felt like a ball club that seemingly was having a whole lot of fun. And I, for one, absolutely loved it. 
Obviously, Ronald Acuna gets hit. He gets hurt. We're nervous. He does play on Sunday night. No big deal. Uh, And there were a lot of people that were upset that the Braves did not go for immediate retaliation on Ronald Acuna. Kevin McAlpin brought up something this morning because we were talking about Ronald being hit by pitch and all the times he's been hit. I think it's 22 times over four years. But over that span, he's the 40th ranked player for hit by pitch, which is amazing to me. I would have thought Ronald Acuna was at least in the top 10, but he was not. I'll say this, though. Look back, games 33 and 34 of the regular season. To me, this was a turning point for the Atlanta Braves. Wanted to talk about something baseball-related that got a lot of people up in arms over the weekend. And if you follow me on social media, at John Michaels U, you would know exactly what I was talking about. There was a scenario, and I'm not sure what the school was. They were wearing the letters WBU across, uh, across the front of their jersey. Anyway, one of their batters hits a home run, tomahawks the bat back, I don't know if it was towards his dugout or the visitor dugout, and commences to talk trash from the first baseline all the way around, and when he gets back to home, he almost does like a kung fu stomp on home plate. There were a lot of people up in arms about this because they said, look, this guy went too far. He threw the bat, he acted like an idiot running around the bases, Maybe I'm from a different, and I've got a new school mentality for somebody that's close to 50 years old. I love the emotion in baseball. I love watching Ronald Acuna pimp a home run. I love Marcelo Zuna doing the mix it up or whatever it may be. I love to see whether it's Bryce Harper or it's some ham and egger playing shortstop, you know, for the Kansas City Royals. I love to see these guys with the raw emotion. Baseball has skewed for a long time towards an older demographic. We have seen so long baseball purists. We're going to bunt and we're going to play this way. This is, there's unwritten rules of baseball. And I hate the stupid unwritten rules. You want an unwritten rule? You don't like me hitting a home run. Don't throw me a pitch that I can hit out of the park. Because if I hit a home run, I am going to celebrate. I am going to talk trash around the bases. And if it means I get drilled in the back the next time, fine. Because guess what? I'm getting on base that way. I think we need raw emotion in the game of baseball and we're just not getting that as much as we would like there's too many of the baseball purists that get really upset seeing a young man celebrate the game what do we have in the nfl that makes it great well the game itself is fantastic the other part that makes it great is the nfl finally loosened up over years and said you know what we're going to allow these guys to do end zone dances. We're going to allow them to celebrate. Now, they don't like the taunting. You're not going to be able to do the crotch chop like you're the Degeneration X guys over a guy when you make a tackle. But what you like to see on all of that is the guys having emotion. I want my wide receiver when he catches a third and seven for 14 yards to stand up and point for a first down. Fans do it. Players should do it as well. It's, but these are, People tend to forget these are still kids' games. These are still games that we teach our 8, 9, and 10-year-olds to go out and play. I know my kids, when they participate in athletics, they play with emotion. Now, they're not over the top with it. But I can tell you, my youngest, when he makes a basket, oh, he's talking. And he's fist pumping and he's clapping. And when my girl catches a pass in high school flag football, oh, she's fist pumping and high-fiving everybody. That's what sports are all about. It's about raw emotion. People thought this guy from WBU took everything too far. And I said, look, we just don't have as much fun. And maybe I see things differently. Nothing wrong with having a differing uh, opinion. There's nothing wrong with that at all. 
There were also differing opinions over the weekend with the Braves coming back and having full capacity. I saw all the people online. Why is Atlanta allowing this to happen? Now, Derek Schiller and company put together a very comprehensive package to get 100% capacity back in. They love the fact that there's a full Truist Park. There is supposed to be a mask mandate. And there were folks online saying, wow, you see all these guys not wearing masks. That's not a good thing for the sport. It's not like they just pulled this out of left field and said, hey, we're just going to throw fans back in the stands. That's not how this was going down. Not how it was uh, set to happen at all. Were there people taking their mask off? Sure. Should the ballpark have maybe punished them a little bit? Absolutely. Keep your mask on if you want to be there. That's the best thing that can happen. The fact that that didn't happen and folks were up in arms. Again, we're not seeing spikes in COVID, and I'm not getting into the political aspect of all of this. I'll just let you know it's going to be okay. Texas Rangers have had full capacity since opening day. Guess what? We have not seen some monster spike, some uh, COVID event that's happened because of the Texas Rangers. They just put 80,000 people almost in Jerry World to watch boxing. Two weeks from now, we're not going to see a big influx of people with COVID. Now, you treat COVID seriously. You don't want to go to the ballpark? I've said this for a year and a half. Don't go. You don't feel safe? Don't go. You want to wait till you're vaccinated? Go get vaccinations. They're free. But don't poo-poo on other people that are ready to get back out. They may have been vaccinated, may have already been treated, whatever it may be. I know it was a great look for Major League Baseball to see the Atlanta Braves on Sunday Night Baseball having a full crowd there and winning the game 6-1. to one. Hey, when we come back, a lot to dive into, including a sport that can't get out of its own way. We'll explain that next on the Stream of Conscious podcast. This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. So once again, we appreciate our buddies at the Georgia Realty Associates for bringing us the Stream of Conscious podcast. Make sure you check them out at soldbold.com. The housing market is red hot right now here in Atlanta. And I'm going to tell you, you want the maximum value for your house. Scott Daniel and his company right there are going to take care of you. They're taking care of us. We're going to take care of them. They're going to get your your house sold for the maximum value out there. Now, boxing is not maximizing what they need to do. They're just not. We had a fight over the weekend. It's Canelo Alvarez taking on Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, And Canelo Alvarez unified the super middleweight belts. And he's got like 13 titles right now. And I know I'm pontificating a little bit on how many he has. But Canelo Alvarez is arguably outside of Tyson Fury and maybe even more than Tyson Fury. The biggest star in the sport of boxing. Yet leading up to the fight with Canelo Alvarez, again, that had 78,000 plus people at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. 17 or 78,000 plus people there. Yet this week, 
what did we hear about in boxing? I didn't hear about Canelo Alvarez. Quite frankly, if I wasn't a boxing fan, I knew nothing about the fight that was sent to happen. Period. I knew nothing about it. I'm a boxing fan, so I knew Canelo was going to fight. And I stayed up and tried to watch the fight, and I fell asleep, and I ended up watching it Sunday morning. And Canelo, with an eighth-round TKO of Billy Saunders, Bobby Joe Saunders, whatever the hell his name is, he knocks him out and wins another fight. His only professional loss was a majority decision loss to Floyd Mayweather years and years ago when Canelo, quite frankly, wasn't ready to fight somebody like Floyd Mayweather. If he fought him today, and I know Floyd's old, uh, he would probably win that fight. The issue with boxing becomes this. The lead-in to this fight should have been the story. The lead-in to Canelo trying to unify the super middleweight belts should have been the lead. What did we get all week long, though? The nonsense of those YouTube jackwagons, the Paul brothers, getting ready to have a quote-unquote exhibition fight against Floyd Mayweather and a gotcha hat moment where Logan, Jake, whatever the hell his name is, reaches over and grabs Floyd Mayweather's hat that leads into kind of a brief melee in the tunnel at Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami. And now that fight, which is going to happen sometime in June, will absolutely get more press and more buildup and more hype than the Canelo Alvarez fight. I get it. Boxing has fallen on a lot of hard times over the last few years. Whether it's not uh, having the sanctioning bodies putting together the fights that we all wanted. Should have been Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, the three of them unifying all the titles. That's what should have happened at the heavyweight division. Floyd Mayweather should have fought Manny Pacquiao seven years before he got in the ring with Manny Pacquiao. Triple G gets robbed at least in one of the fights, if not in two of the fights against Canelo Alvarez. So you took away one of your top stars at the height of his career with two very controversial losses. We've seen governing bodies fight over money. We've seen them not want to put the challengers in front of each other. And now you have the influx of guys that aren't really fighters getting in the ring, acting as fighters. Think about over the last two years. Our best fights, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, tremendous. That one actually lived up to the hype. What are the other boxing matches we've tuned in to watch? We watch Mike Tyson at 50-something years old fighting Roy Jones. We watch whichever one of the Paul brothers knocking out Nate Robinson, a 5'9 basketball player. And now we're going to watch Floyd Mayweather, arguably one of the best fighters we've ever seen in our lifetime, fight a YouTube jack wagon, and we're going to spend money on this. The last fight Floyd had that people cared about was against Conor McGregor. And here's what's crazy. Floyd, in 50 wins, only had 27 knockouts. You go back to 2005, Floyd Mayweather's had exactly four knockouts. That's it. One of them was against punch-drunk Ricky Hatton. One of them was against Victor Ortiz. One of them was against Conor McGregor. And then in 2005, he knocked out somebody. So four of like his last 20 fights ended in knockouts. So the sport set up by the best fighter that they had in Floyd Mayweather, was largely boring. You don't get the fights that you want. The fights that you do want, nobody pays attention to. And now we've turned it into WWE, where boxing is living on gimmicks right now. They're literally living on gimmicks for YouTube sensations fighting Floyd Mayweather. Now, for me personally, I've never been a Floyd fan. I appreciate the greatness that he has. My point to never being a fan is pretty simple. His style was not the way I like fights. 
I like a Marco Antonio Barrera. I liked an Eric Morales. I liked a Manny Pacquiao, Roy Jones. Guys that were going out there and throwing hands and were trying to knock the crap out of you. Floyd, the best defensive fighter I've ever seen, had a very boring style, and it turned a lot of people off to boxing. The problem is now, boxing's not marketing their own guys. Canelo should have been the biggest story of the week, and instead it was Logan Jake Paul. Whatever, Whichever one of those Paul idiots it was, it was those guys were the big story. The sport's dying, and it needs to find a way to get itself back. I need Tyson Fury to knock out Anthony Joshua and then Deontay Wilder, who's been training to get better, to come back and get another shot at him. That's what I need. I don't need, what, what's the guy's name, Anthony Ruiz fighting fat Chris Ariola, and the only thing that comes out of that is Chris Ariola cussing after the post-fight, and that becomes the big story in boxing. Somewhere along the line, that sport has lost itself. If it wants to stay relevant and keep up with the UFC and everything else, it needs to refine itself and refine itself in a hurry. Elsewhere, another big story I wanted to get to, name, image, and likeness, came down last week. Governor Brian Kemp right here in Georgia signs the bill that name players in college football and college athletics will be able to use their name, image, and likeness. And with that, they can now profit off their name, image, and likeness. It's huge if you're a college football player. But I had what could be a bigger idea. And unfortunately for that, the lead from the state of Georgia was schools can, if they want, take 75% of said player's profit, put it in a pool, and disperse it amongst the other athletes. Now, the University of Georgia has already come out and said, we're not doing that. The problem is the national media took the lead and ran with it. And instead of just saying, you know what? We're not going to do anything else uh, and, and actually do the research on this. We're just going to put the lead out there because we know what's actually going to happen there. People are going to come in and they are going to be fired up with all of this. I had a better idea, and I like the name, image, and likeness. Don't get me wrong. If a kid can go sell his jersey and make $5 a jersey, so be it. If in the campus bookstore, the JT Daniels or the Jeff Sims jersey is selling like hotcakes, and those guys get a couple of dollars per jersey sale in their pockets. They've earned it. They deserve it. It's their money, and they should get it right now. If you're the four-string offensive lineman, tough cookies, bro. I'm sorry. Same thing. If you work in market 114 in radio, you don't make the same money as Colin Cowherd. We do the same jobs. I don't make the same money as Colin Cowherd. Does it anger me? Yeah. I think I put in more work than he does. He's marketing himself better. He's in a bigger platform. Nothing against our platform here at The Fan, but he's on ESPN or he's on Fox Radio. He's on Fox TV. He does three hours nationally every day where millions of people watch him. Yes, he's going to make more money. It's the same thing in college football. People have said, hey, this could lead to jealousy. It could, but what it should also do is make yourself more marketable. And I also think people have overblown what this is going to mean. Think about where most colleges are. They're in small, tiny towns that are basically run by the college. If the University of Georgia isn't out there, Athens is a a stop post driving through Georgia. If Clemson isn't out there in South Carolina, nobody gets off the exit at Clemson, South Carolina. If if Clemson University is not there, it doesn't happen. Florida State, same thing for Tallahassee. Gainesville for the University of Florida. Tuscaloosa for the University of Alabama. You get my point. Small college towns. So people think these players are going to be getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's not going to happen. They're going to be getting five to $10,000. There's going to be guys that are going to get nice deals with an auto dealership uh, and maybe a barbecue spot and maybe a gas station. 
But these small towns don't have that kind of money to spend. What it does, though, it is gives these guys the opportunity, I'm talking about the athletes, to profit. We think about things that have happened over the last 20 years. Jeremy Bloom from the University of Colorado was an Olympic downhill skier who had tons of endorsement opportunities because he was an Olympic downhill skier. They basically said, the NCAA did say, well, if you make money on yourself in skiing, you can't play college athletics, which is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever heard. We had the kid at Central Florida or South Florida. He was a kicker, but he was from South America who had had this huge YouTube following and was making a profit off of his YouTube videos. They said, you can't kick in college football because you make money. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We had A.J. Green get suspended for four games for selling his jersey. Literally, he had his bold jersey, sold it for like 1000 bucks. They suspended him for four games. You had Todd Gurley get suspended multiple games for signing autographs and getting paid to sign autographs, where all of these uh, autograph collectors will go out and turn around and sell that helmet for $200. $300 to a Georgia fan, yet Todd Gurley couldn't make a dime. What these laws are going to allow is these guys to go out and make their money. It's about damn time. We don't have NCAA football on PlayStation or Xbox because Ed O'Bannon rightly said, wait a second, you're using my name and my likeness, and I'm not profiting off of this. So if a kid makes $300 for the year and he gets his money, what the hell is wrong with that? And I've seen a lot of, and again, I go back, maybe it's the baseball guys or it's the older generation. Well, they get their education paid for. And that's true. And that's a great thing if kids take advantage and take their education seriously and they get it paid for. It's an awesome, awesome thing. It's a fantastic thing. Here's the problem with that. Nowhere else in industries do you see these guys bringing in billions of dollars. And college football is a billion-dollar business. So I came up with an idea. And I may be way off with my math. If you were to cap a college football program as to what they could pay their coaching staff, and Alabama's paying tens of millions of dollars, and they win national titles, and they deserve every single bit of that. But just say you put a cap where you save $5 million a year on coaching salaries, and you can do it, or you take a profit uh, off of your bowl game or whatever, and you take $5 million and put it to the side. And you divide that, and I just said by 800 athletes. And I'm not sure on campus how many athletes there are, but just say 800. You divide 5 million by 800, and it's like $6,250. You take that $6,250 and disperse it among all 800 athletes on your campus. That's the water polo player. That's the gym. And I could be off. Maybe it's 2,000 athletes. I have no idea. I just use 800 as a round number. You put $6,250 in guys' pockets, and they're going to be really happy. That's something that could be done. You break it in half and just say you can only take $3 million, all of a sudden guys get $3,125 in their pocket. And for folks to go, oh, that's not enough money. Think about what $3,000 would have done for you while you were in college. I, I survived on $40 a week giving plasma to have money to go out to eat, to make it to the club and to drink. My meals were paid for, my food, my water, my room, everything else was paid for by the school. That was my $40 a week. You multiply 40 by 52 weeks. And remember, you're not in school for 52 weeks of the year. 40 times 52 is 2,080. I went to school in the mid-90s, so you double that and you give them $4,000 each and then let them profit off their name, image, and likeness. I think things would go very, very well.
When we come back, numbers that should scare you when you're talking about Kyle Pitts. We'll get to that next on the Stream of Conscious podcast. This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. All right, guys, as we wrap things up here on the Stream of Conscious podcast, we, we have bantered back and forth with what kind of numbers we could use for Kyle Pitts in his rookie year. And Finn and I have kind of come up with 50 catches, 600 and some odd yards, and eight touchdowns. Here's the problem with this, and we talked about this uh, this morning on the front row. The average number, and I I use like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and then a bunch of the first-round picks going back to 2017. The average number for those guys is about 38 catches, 400 yards, and and three-and-a-half touchdowns. I'm here to tell you in the city of Atlanta, if Kyle Pitts goes 35 for 480 yards and and three-and-a-half touchdowns, this place is going to revolt, especially if Justin Fields comes into the fold and plays really well for the Chicago Bears because in our city, those two guys are forever going to be tied together going to be Kyle Pitts and Justin Fields. What happened? Same way Glenn Dorsey and Matt Ryan were tied together, and for better, the Atlanta Falcons got the best end of that deal. Just be careful with the numbers we expect for Kyle Pitts, and I'm going to fall victim to this because I want five for 80 seemingly every week in a touchdown. What needs to happen with Arthur Smith? Find a way to utilize this guy in the red zone. Find a way to get this guy eight or nine touchdowns. You go back to Rob Gronkowski, he had 10 touchdowns as a rookie. If I get eight touchdowns out of Kyle Pitts, I will do cartwheels down Peachtree Street. Literally, I will do cartwheels, and I'm not even sure that I can do a full cartwheel, but I'll do cartwheels down Peachtree Street. Those are the numbers we have to look at with Kyle Pitts, and I think they're attainable, but let's let's take our expectations. That he's not getting 75 catches for 900 yards and 13 touches. It's not happening, and I think because he went fourth overall, There's a lot of Falcon fans that want to deal with that. Again, thank you to my buddy Scott Daniel, Georgia Realty Associates. They will bring you the podcast each and every week. You want to sell your host, uh, you want to sell your house and maximize your profits right now. Soldbold.com. Soldbold.com. Coming up on the next podcast, I'm going to dive into what happens during a 16th birthday. And you go, what? What does that have to do with sports? Not a whole lot, but it has to do with my life. We'll get into all that coming up on the next podcast. Again, thanks to Scott Daniel and SoldBold.com. Till next time, see ya. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. 
Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we take pride in our family-owned and operated business. Hi, I'm Stacy Ellis, Vice President of the Jim Ellis Automotive Group. When my granddad, Jim Ellis, founded our company in 1971, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, my dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. Today, third-generation family members like myself, along with the support of more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values our company was founded on. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we try harder because we sincerely value your satisfaction. That's why we've been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of our 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, still family-owned and operated and where you can always expect the best. 